Good morning, and thank you for joining us today. My name is Phil Ritchie, and this is my wife, Jean, and we'll be sharing some announcements and lighting the Advent candle. We'd like to also welcome those of you who are watching online. Greetings to you. Thank you for joining us as well. And if you're a guest with us today, we, we would like to ask you to co complete one of the connection cards that's in the back of the pew in front of you. And you can take that to the welcome desk following the service, which is in the rear of the building. And our hostess there will greet you and share with you information about our church and uh, get acquainted with you. You can also place it in the offering plate if you would like to do that. And we'd like to invite you to share in some things that are happening in the church this week. First of all, today is the dinner following the contemporary service that will honor Glenda Beisline for the 39 years of service that she has uh, had to us in ministry as our church secretary. And I'm told that there will be plenty of food, so if you haven't signed up, I think there will be enough for you too. And we're also pleased to announce that Sonia Shively has been hired as our next church secretary. And she will be beginning work this week, working alongside Glenda for a while. And we'd like to ask you to pray for her and her family. And uh, we're looking forward to welcoming her as part of the ministry team as well. Some special times of worship are coming up on Christmas Eve. You probably all know that, but just as a reminder, at 6 p.m. is the family worship service. And that will be a time of featuring favorite Christmas songs, <clears throat> a children's message, and candle lighting. And then at our 11 p.m. service, <clears throat> that will feature our choir's Christmas cantata and candle lighting. And the choir's been working on that cantata for a long time now, and I'll tell you, it is fantastic. It's probably the best one that the choir has ever done here. And on that night, there will be special offering at the door. <coughs> Pardon me. For uh, that's always an offering that we share with the community, not for any um, purposes here in our church. But that offering will go to community cares and also to the harbor. And then on Christmas Day and New Year's Day, again, you probably know this, but as a reminder. Um, we will have one combined service each of those days at 10 o'clock, and we will worship together as a congregation. There will be no Sunday school on those days. But on New Year's Day, we will have communion and feet washing that day. And lastly, on January 8th, we'll, we will have a new members class during Sunday school hour at 945 and if you are interested in joining our church, please plan to attend. Let us now reflect on the season of Advent. Advent is this time of preparation before Christmas when we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus, who is the light of the world. Each week we light another candle to remind us of what the coming of Jesus means to all people. The traditional theme for the fourth Sunday of Advent is love. Love comes from God and was most clearly shown through the gift of his son, Jesus. Today we read from John 3, 
16 through 19. <clears throat> For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believed in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not <coughs> condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. God, God has given light. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Today we light hope, faith, and joy candles along with the love candle. Let's pray. <clears throat> Our Lord and our God, we thank you for this day that we can join together in worship and celebration. Remind us of the love that you had for us and that you gave us your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who laid aside his glory to become a child and then to dwell among us and point us to you, to restore us to relationship with you. We pray that your Holy Spirit will move in this place today and in our hearts. We also ask that you would give us a fresh sense of faith during this week as we look forward to Christmas and to our future eternity with you. We pray for all the servant leaders within our church and within our community who are sharing in all areas of ministry. And we pray, above all, that people everywhere will know the truth and love of God as revealed to us in your Son, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. For the past 68 Christmases, Colleen and I have uh, celebrated Christmas with uh, a very simple tradition. I'm sure some of you have developed traditions with your family. And uh, one of the first things we did when we were and uh, our first Christmas was that we bought a manger. Now I was in college and we working full time, and uh, so we didn't have a lot of money. So our little manger was kind of... Uh, wasn't real fancy and, and quite as elaborate as this beautiful piece of artwork here, but it was our manger, the little cardboard job, and if the figures were glued to the bottom and you folded up the front of it when you stored it away. Well, we still take that little manger out, and it's the centerpiece at the bottom of our tree. And, uh, you know, the manger for all of us is so important uh, because it highlights for us the real meaning of Christmas and the heart of God. As Phil read earlier, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him would not perish. Can you imagine that? But have eternal life. What love, what great love God has for us. And love came over 2,000 years ago as a little baby. Would you stand with me as we sing 256, Love Has Come. Mm -hmm. 
in this world of sin, the dear Christ enters in. These are the words from Phillips Brooks, wonderful, beloved Carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem. And it too points to the heart of Christmas. Jesus came into our broken world to rescue us from our sin and to give all who would accept this wonderful gift of love. He would give new life and a vital relationship with God the Father. O little town of Bethlehem, 250, as we sing this wonderful, wonderful old carol. contemplating the words of this wonderful carol and the impact that it had on his life, 
and also the outcome of his own encounter with Jesus. And he said this to the person he was writing to. I cannot tell you how personal this grows in me. He is here. He loves me. He knows me. And I know him. It's difficult for us to put into words fully what the love of God means to us, what Jesus has done in our lives. But we need to tell that and share it with the world so that they too can hear the wonderful news that Jesus loves them. 354, I cannot tell.
Thank you, Lord Jesus, for loving us, for your gift of yourself, that we might know you, that we might love you, that we might serve you. We thank you in the name of Je your our, our Heavenly Father and our Savior Jesus, who loved us so much that he gave himself. Amen. Please be seated.
As the ushers come forward, we let's come before the Lord in response to his love with our giving of tithes, our gifts, and our love for him.
Good morning. Thank you, choir. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, musicians. I had the opportunity this week to do something that perhaps many of you have been doing this time of year. I was watching out the window for a package to arrive. And in this day and age, you can uh, you know, get all the notifications on your phone. You can track it online. And I had received a text message that the package was out for delivery and it was going to be there in time according to what the online re retailer had estimated. And so I was, I, I was home with the kids. We had a couple kids home sick. So I was kind of by the window. And anytime a, a person or a, a car goes down our street, our dogs always bark too. So the whole house was kind of watching out the window for a, a box to arrive. And finally, uh, partway through the day, sure enough, the delivery truck shows up and uh, somebody brings something to my porch, and I was watching, I was ready, I was able to go out, get that box, and bring it inside. So, like I said, maybe some of you have had a similar experience this time of year, watching for a package to arrive. And if not a package, maybe you're watching for something to go on sale. Or maybe you've been watching the weather. I, I think some of us did that this past week, and we'll probably be watching the weather in a new way uh, this coming week as well. But sometimes in life, we find ourselves watching for things, and we're not quite sure what it will look like when it arrives. And I think that's one of the things that we're going to look at in our scripture passage this morning. We've been working through this theme of uh, the most wonderful time of year, uh, looking at different W words. And our word for the week this week is watching. And maybe you've been wondering, uh, is there any significance to all of these W words? Anything spiritually significant? And actually, not really. I mean, these are just some words that came to mind for me when I was thinking about Christmas, and they just so happened to all begin with W. And I got to thinking, ironically enough, uh, if you're familiar with the Greek and Hebrew alphabets in which our scriptures were written, there's not even a, a, a letter equivalent to W in Greek or Hebrew. Uh, all this is kind of a clumsy introduction to say we're going to look at the gospel this morning that doesn't have a Christmas story in it. And you may be scratching your head wondering, um, yes, the gospel of John is where we're looking at this morning. And if you're familiar with the scriptures, you know that the Christmas account is primarily Matthew and Luke. And John does not reflect on Christmas in the sense of the manger scene as we uh, remember. But John still speaks to the beginnings of Jesus. But rather than tracing Jesus' beginnings back to a manger in Bethlehem or even the Old Testament prophecies, John goes all the way back to the very beginning of time to consider the start of Jesus. But Jesus never really had a beginning, as we'll see here in just a moment. We're going to be looking at John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. And I'll invite you to stand with me if we're able, if you're able, as we read John verse, or chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. John says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. 
He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. You may be seated. So here we see that John gets right to the point. He begins his gospel by saying that Jesus is God himself. He looks past all the, uh, you know, the surface level stuff and gets to the spiritual heart of things, identifying Jesus as the word in flesh who came to show the fullest extent of God's love to the world. We already heard one other key scripture from the Gospel of John from our Advent reading today. Um, and I'm going to read that once more, even though it's so familiar. Uh, hear the words of John 3, 16 through 19. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. So that's a whole lot of theology that we're beginning with. And there's actually four key words that stand out to me from this opening here in the Gospel of John. Love, light, life. And the Word. Love, light, life, and the Word. There is so much depth to these. We could probably preach a whole sermon on each one of these topics, um, but I'll just touch on them briefly this morning. Uh, just to recap, though, I'm going to tie this all into the idea of watching. And in a, a very real sense, all of the people in the traditional Christmas account that we've been looking at were watching for something. And it came in many of these forms, love, light, life, and the word. But each of the people from the traditional Christmas account were watching something. The shepherds were watching their flocks. The wise men were watching the stars. Anna and Simeon, who were reflected on at the beginning of this series, were specifically watching for the Messiah. But in a sense, all of these individuals, all of these people from the Christmas account were watching for a sign from God in one way 
or another. I think maybe if we look at the world today, I think we could see that everybody is watching for a sign from God. Again, whether they use those words or not, I believe everybody is watching for a sign from God. Isaiah tells us in verse uh, chapter 7, verse 14, Isaiah declares what that uh, most miraculous sign from God is that all people had been watching for from the uh, beginning of time. This is what Isaiah 7.14 says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. This is what we celebrate at Christmas. Emmanuel means God with us. God with us. The birth of Jesus that we celebrate here at Christmas is obviously the fulfillment of this sign from the Old Testament, this promise the realization of, in a radical way of what God has uh, come to do to be with his people. God himself has made his dwelling among us, as John chapter 1 says. For the shepherds, the wise men, Anna and Simeon, even Mary and Joseph, this was cause for rejoicing, that God had made his dwelling among us. They had been watching in their own ways for God to show up in a big way, and sure enough, he does so, as the scriptures had promised, through a son, through Emmanuel, through God with us. But how about for you and I today, or for our neighbors and friends in our community? What does a sign from God look like for us here and now? That's what we want to consider in a few different ways today, but a couple comments about some of the words, key words that we're uh, looking at, besides all those other ones I said, a few key words from Scripture that bear a little unpacking. Um, sorry, I'm losing my, my place in my manuscript here, but um, the, the, I'll come back to that thought. But John declares the Word has been present with God since the beginning. The Word itself. God God's word, as revealed in Scripture, has become flesh. And this is the word that I wanted to speak about. Incarnation is what we call this in the Christian faith. The word in flesh, incarnation, the baby born of the Virgin Mary, is God in human form, in a physical body, in a very real sense, living among us in a tangible way. The disciples could reach out and touch him, and it was the very person of God in dwelling with us. The big, eternal, universal God has become a small baby person. This other word that I wanted to bring to your attention, dwelling, this word dwelling that John uses is actually the same concept that the Old Testament uses for God's tabernacle. The tent that the Jewish people carried through the wilderness with them where God would dwell and meet with his people. In a sense, through Jesus, God has, had pitched his tent among his people in a very real way. The message paraphrase of the Bible uses the phrase, moved into the neighborhood. God moved into the neighborhood. God pitched his tent among us. God was now with his people in a very real way. We see that in the Old Testament, God's word 
was associated with God's personal attributes. Things like God's wisdom, God's promises for provision and protection. And God has now become flesh to live those things out among us. John says that these things are now dwelling with us, close at hand. God's wisdom, God's protection, all those attributes of God are now within our reach. So perhaps you're here today and you are watching, you are looking, you are seeking wisdom. It is now found in Jesus. Perhaps you're here, you're looking for provision or protection or healing of some sort. It is found in Jesus. And of course, this is all good news. The good news of Jesus is that all the things that God has are now within our reach because of Jesus. Because the word has become flesh, we can also see what that looks like lived out. Jesus lived out an example for us to follow of what God's wisdom looks like in practice. As John says in verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 17 and 18, the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in close relationship with the Father, and he has made him known. We see that Jesus, as the Word in flesh, lived out what God's wisdom looks like. As John's Gospel progresses, we can see in the first few chapters a very personal and yet simple invitation that he gives to those who would be his followers. In John 1, 39, he says to two disciples, come and you will see. In John 1, 43, he simply says, follow me. And now, because of Jesus, we see that God's word is no longer just some ancient text that existed long ago that is studied and debated by scholars, but instead, now, through Jesus, God's word is a person who can be followed and imitated. Take note of who Jesus invites to follow him. If you, if you consider, he invited the, the common folks like fishermen and the despised folks like tax collectors. He invites you and me, by extension, to personally be his disciples and follow him. The significance here is that you don't have to be a scholar or a, a certain class or tribe of Israel to have access to the word of God now. In the Old Testament, there were all these certain protocols about how you handled the word of God, but now Jesus has come to be the word lived out for us to follow. So again, if you find yourself seeking wisdom from God's word, you look to Jesus. You live like, like Jesus. You need protection or provision in your own life? Look to Jesus. Live like Jesus. I had a, uh, an image in mind for what this looked like, something from my own life. A few years ago, my family had the opportunity to go and stay at a lighthouse in Cape Cod. If you're familiar with lighthouses at all, you know that most lighthouses today are controlled electronically by the Coast Guard, but there are still lighthouse keepers who help with the upkeep of many of these structures, and certain lighthouses, you can go and stay in one, but you still have to have a lighthouse keeper 
who goes with you to give you access to the lighthouse. For our family, the lighthouse keeper is the one who helped to arrange transportation to drive across the dunes to get to the lighthouse. The lighthouse keeper was the person who opened up the facility. They even cooked meals for us. The lighthouse keeper made a fire, plate, or a fire for us on the beach. They uh, gave us the history of the structure. They even gave us some warnings about which sand dunes to avoid so as to not disturb the, uh, the wildlife, told us the paths to take to get to the beach. The lighthouse keeper was the guide who gave us access to this uh, wonderful place that we were able to stay for a few days. In a similar way, Jesus has come to grant us access to the riches of God's word and guide us into God's kingdom. But speaking of light, that brings us back to our next point from John's gospel, light and life. Not only did Jesus come to be a guide for us or an example of how to live, but as John 1 verses 4 and 5 say, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The the reason we celebrate and worship Jesus is not merely because he was just a good guide, like a lighthouse keeper showing us around a historic place. No, Jesus himself was the light that shines in the darkness. Jesus is our Lord and Savior. He is God in human form who has made a way for this life to have meaning and purpose and to continue into the next life so that we may have eternity with God. Jesus' presence illuminates the dark world and saves us all from the effects of sin and death. As John 3, 16 and 17 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Using this lighthouse imagery once again, we can see that Jesus is the light who saves us from destruction. When we're tossed about by the dark waves of despair or sin in this life, Jesus is the light that guides us to safety. He shines brightly for us. But the wonderful thing that John reminds us is that he's not some far-off light shining on a distant shore. He is with us. He is the light of life itself, descending into our everyday struggles here and now, delivering us from sin and death ultimately, but giving us a meaningful life in the present. Both. I think one thing that Advent, the season before Christmas, reminds us is that it helps to connect the present with the future. It reminds us that light has come into the world to illuminate darkness, both now and forever. It will be a glorious future that we look forward to with the second advent of Jesus returning again. It's also the promise that God himself cares for us and wants to be a part of our life each and every day. In a sense, once again, big love, the infinite love of God, has become a small, everyday reality for us. Our mission here at Shippensburg First Church of God states that we want to be about loving God, loving his family, and loving our neighbors. The reason we exist as a church is all about 
love. And we've talked about this in various ways over the past few weeks, about how we love our neighbor, about how we bless our community. And actually, looking ahead to January, we'll take a closer look at this mission statement and the biblical roots where it comes from. But I'm reminded that before we can fully love our neighbor or uh, you know, be a, a witness to our community, we must first realize what God's love means to us as individuals and how that overflows into those around us. God has loved us personally, not just in a big sense, but in an everyday personal sense. There's a contrast here that we see, that God's love is for the whole world, as John says, but it's also very personal for you and me as individuals. God's love is also eternal. It makes a difference for our future, but it also matters in the present. Again, as so many of you know, John 3.16 talks about God loving the world and saving the world, not condemning the world, but he does this for us on a daily basis. And because God loves everyone and came to save everyone, he also invites us to be a part of that process to reach everyone. That brings us to kind of the other side of the coin here, that while God's gift of Jesus is for all people for all eternity, there are still many individuals who don't know or have not believed or understood what the light of Christ is all about. As John 3.18 says, whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. So there's still many people who don't understand the light or avoid the light or hide from the light because they're struggling with evil deeds or their hearts are not where they need to be. And so how are people going to understand the love of God unless they have an example, unless they have something big become something small and personal in their own lives? Yes, they have the example of Jesus to look to in Scripture like us, but for many people, as the saying goes, they're not going to open the Bible, but those of us who know Jesus will be the first Bible that they see. And this is where God gets personal. This is where our faith must become personal. God came to be love in the form of Jesus to demonstrate that person to person. And as his followers, we must also demonstrate this person to person. We remember how God first loved us so that we can be love to the world. This past Wednesday, we had the opportunity to hear many testimonies about how God had made a difference in the lives of many individuals in big ways and small ways. And in sharing of those stories, it helps people to understand what that looks like in the present sense. I know I was blessed by many of those testimonies, as I've heard many of you were as well. And see, this is the good news of God's love in person lived out. I believe that God's love is always personal and always contextual. That means it matters to specific individuals in specific ways. Not only does it make a difference for the 
eternity that is to follow. We believe that, we see that, but to understand that, we first must see God's love in action today. It must make a difference in people's lives here and now for us to understand it. This means that for people to understand God's love, they need to see it demonstrated in action in personal ways. I think we see that in the way that Jesus interacted with people in Scripture. Scripture makes it clear that God always communicates in personal ways that people understand. Consider once again the individuals from the Christmas story. God reached them all in personal, individual ways. Anna and Simeon had been waiting for the promise of the Messiah, and God personally revealed to them that they would see him. And, and they did. For the shepherds, this meant that God gave them a personal invitation through a heavenly choir of angels and invited them to the, the very presence of Jesus, the Messiah. They came, went from being overlooked outsiders to having a front row seat to the incarnation of God. For the Magi, the wise men, God revealed the birth of his son through a heavenly sign. Now, the star was there for all to see, but the wise men were personally invested in this, and so they saw that God was communicating to them in a way that they were looking for. They were watching for a sign, and they were personally invited to see Jesus. They traveled to great lengths to find this meaning. And then throughout Jesus' earthly ministry, we see the same thing happens. Jesus meets personal needs before addressing the big need of sin. He invites people into his presence. He heals the sick. He casts out the demons, meeting physical, personal needs before speaking about the truth of who he really was and what God had come, what he had done, come to do for God. And then ultimately, we see his death and resurrection on the cross that makes a way for us to be in God's presence and forgives us of our sins. He meets the personal, practical, everyday need before meeting the big, eternal need of sin and salvation. For me, I, I've looked back over this year and, and I realized in my own life, I often understand the love of God when I see it lived out through other people. And so I could ask you all, what does the love of God look like in your life? And you may be able to think of individuals who have spoken to you or helped you or done something kind for you or come alongside of you when you were walking through difficult situations. I believe those are the ways that God continues to show his love to us as individuals. It's through the people that he places around us. That's the wonderful thing about holidays and times to get together as family, we are reminded that the love that we share as families, as individuals, ultimately comes from God. As I look back over this past year, this new season of ministry, I've seen that God's love has come in, in many different ways. Often it's through the prompting of his spirit as I study his word. Uh, often it's through you know, the, the insight of many of you as I navigate decisions that we make as a congregation. But ultimately, I think I'm most encouraged by God when he gives encouraging words to you that you've shared with me. I've received so many kind cards and words and uh, just affirmations just in these couple months that I've been with you. And I believe that's God's way of speaking to me through you. 
And I think so many of you could attest to the same sorts of things. You've walked through some difficult things over this past year, and it's the people of this community that have come alongside of you that God has used to encourage you and lift you up and to be a presence with you. Again, God's big love becoming small and personal through his people. So this Christmas, I want to challenge you to look for the people around you that are living out God's love and to be the kind of people who are living out God's love in big and small ways. Um, she might not appreciate it, but I did want to lift up to you my, my mom as an example of this. We're going to celebrate her in a special way this, this morning or uh, at dinner, but I, I think of my mom as somebody who has lived out the love of God in small ways that are also big ways at the same time. Just the, the continual service that my mom has done for this church and the way I've seen her live out her life among so many of you and in our community, just in big ways and small ways, showing love, showing care, showing attention to those that she meets. I believe that she's an example of somebody who lives out God's love in personal ways. And that's what we all must aspire to do as followers of Christ. I wanted to end giving uh, the, the last word to a, a well-known quote from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who has said, Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. And hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. We certainly see that there's plenty of darkness and hate in our world. And the best response for us as followers of Jesus is to carry the light and the love of God into the world to drive out that darkness. We believe that Jesus is the light of the world who has come to fill this world with light and love. And he has chosen us and called us as his followers to carry that light and love into a dark world. Our best response to God is in the form of our worship and devotion and watching for opportunities to share that love with the world around us as his children, because that's what we are called in the Gospel of John. So let us um, conclude this message this morning with a word of prayer and just ask God to open our eyes for opportunities of how we can show that love to the world around us. God, we open our eyes and our hearts to you, Lord. We want to be people who are watching for a sign from you, believing that you have already revealed yourself to us in the biggest way possible through your son, Jesus, and the salvation of, uh, of his death and resurrection on the cross that you grant to us, Lord. But help us to see you at work in small ways, in everyday ways, that we can use to share your love and your light with the people that we meet. Help us to just receive your love, to understand your love in big and small ways today, Lord. Through this Christmas season, fill our hearts with love for you that overflows into worship of you, God. Just uh, help us to submit our, our wills to you and just worship you with all that we are and just pour out your love to our community. God, it's in your name that we pray, the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. God draws us near to Jesus. 
And it's just the act of his love because that's who he is. He is love, the scripture tells us. But it's in his loving presence, as pastor has said to us, that we receive the greatest gift we could ever receive. Emmanuel, God with us. Let's sing about Jesus as we look to him, number 648, divine, love divine, all loves excelling. Will you stand with me? Sing verses 1, 2, and 3. Heavenly Father, in in the midst of all the joy of Christmas, would you continue to remind us that the true meaning of this system lies in the depth of your love. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, so much for the assurance that your love is so great, that you love us so much that you are willing to give so much of yourself You gave your very life in the form of Jesus so that we, we might live for you. 
What a wonderful gift of love you've given us. Church, it reminds me just of that little children's song. Let's sing it together. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Oh, yes, Jesus loves me. 